willingness to accept the CJA appointment. Thank you, Your Honor. May it please the court, Judge Benton, Judge Render, Judge Shepard. This case is for this court out of the Southern District of Iowa, where Mr. Myron Brandon was convicted in that district of kidnapping and transporting a minor across state lines for sexual purposes. The alleged crimes in this case occurred in 2003, and the admission of 404B evidence played very heavily into that as part of Mr. Brandon's contention here and part of his objections and issue that he's raised to the court. The evidence that was presented for the 404B was that Mr. Brandon had been previously convicted before trial in 2004 of kidnapping another minor girl, that time at Knob Point, and was prosecuted and convicted in state court. The main 404B evidence also was that Mr. Brandon had attempted to kidnap another minor at Knob Point in 2003 as well. Because of this 404B evidence and its admission into evidence by the court in this case, it was imperative for Mr. Brandon to test by every degree allowable by law the evidence that was put forward in this case of the actual offense for which he was charged. And that was to prevent, obviously, a conviction based on improper propensity evidence. The evidence that was presented here that actually concerned the underlying charge or the charge at issue in front of the district court had to do with two minor victims, 14 and 15 years old, Ms. Smith and Ms. Seavey, that alleged initially that they were picked up by someone for a ride and transported across state lines into Iowa. As the story came about, they were picked up on the side of the road in Iowa. Tell us what the jury believed. What the jury believed? Yeah, what do you think the jury believed? I believe that the jury found that Mr. Brandon kidnapped the girls either without their consent, that he seized them without their consent, or that he inveigled them by prostitution or a promise of prostitution and transported them across state lines into Iowa. Those are potential theories that were put forward. I think that this gets to my concern, Judge, with the consent instruction for kidnapping and the instruction that was requested by the defense to let the jurors know that it's not simply enough for someone to transport another person across state lines and then at that point then to either seize or to inveigle them, but rather the intent has to be there prior to the transportation occurring. And we briefed that in the third issue that we have here, Judge, or excuse me, the second issue that we have regarding consent. So with the jury potentially believing either theory and being able to reach a conviction based off of both of those, the government argued in their response brief that inveiglement was the clear theory that was put forward in this case 
And so therefore, there's not an issue with consent or at what point consent may have been withdrawn. Uh, but that's not what was charged, Judge, and that's not what was instructed upon. What was instructed upon was multiple theories of um, for seizure, embegglement, um, which I think are the two, the two main um, here at issue. There was evidence, some evidence of seizure as well that was brought in. Um, the, uh, one of the complainants, Ms. Smith, originally, so they, they get found on the side of the highway early morning hours one day, they seek medical attention. The morning later that day, they give a report to police. Uh, Ms. Smith at the time stated to, to medical personnel when she's first interviewed that she was actually seized and thrown into a vehicle by two males. One blonde with blue eyes, the other brown with brown eyes. So there was evidence of seizure in place. So if the jury credited that, even despite uh, apparently Ms. Smith recanting that later on, um, then that, that could be evidence that would form the basis of the seizure offense. And again, which would require uh, an additional instruction or clarification on the instructions to the jurors that the seizure has to have occurred um, and the, the lack of consent has to have occurred prior to transportation in interstate commerce uh, in, in order to fulfill the third and fourth elements here, Judge. It's the The discrepancies between the two witnesses were, were very significant. Both discrepancies that they had at the time of the report, uh, the day after they were picked up off the side of the road, uh, as well as discrepancies they had at trial. Uh, what was clear, what the evidence did establish, Mr. Is Black, can we, can we go back to your consent argument? Um, am I wrong? I thought that the kidnapping Charge the elements of kidnapping did include an element of without consent. They do judge only in the first element. So uh, we have asked, we'd asked the court to include an element of lack of consent in the transportation offense to make it clear that the transportation took place prior or after the withdrawal of consent occurred. But if they convicted on the kidnapping, wouldn't that have required without consent prior to the transportation? It, it would have if they were properly instructed, Judge. The instruction as it was given did not notify the jury that the transportation had to take place, rather just simply that a seizure occurred without consent in element one. In element three, concerning the transportation in interstate commerce, that focused on, or, or that was not um, there was no reference to consent there at all, and that's what we were requesting of the court. What about the little word while in, in the three paragraph of the instruction? Because notice it says the transported her while, and then uses the same words as in element one. Does the while refer back to the paragraph that has O-N-E on it? It, it certainly could be read that way, Judge. I, I don't think that it is nearly as clear as it needs to be. Uh, when consent uh, or withdrawal of consent is very clearly stated in element one, and there's no um, definition or, or nothing provided to the jurors whenever they're being instructed as to consent in that element, uh, the transportation element, uh, I, I do believe that that is inappropriate, or it's certainly not a, a clear statement of what the law would require. So as, 
the, the states, but the, the, the cases we've um, cited for the court, particularly the uh, hernandez Orozco case, discusses the uh, transportation of a minor that occurred, um, where the minor actually alleged that the seizure occurred prior to leaving state, or, or tra tra being transported in interstate commerce. However, evidence that was presented throughout the trial, including uh, from the testimony of the minor, is that she had actually um, uh, danced with and seemed to enjoy her time with her supposed captors. So the question became, uh, the question that was decided in that case was, or the, the rule of the principle of law that was decided in that case, is that consent has to be withdrawn or has to be, the seizure has to be in violation of a person without their consent prior to the transportation in interstate commerce. What became clear um, during their 2003 interview uh, with police officers, so the, the, the trial occurred October uh, 2021. Um, this is dating back to uh, the, a 2003 timeframe where uh, the officers uh, interviewed Ms. Seavey and Ms. Smith uh, the day after this is alleged to have occurred. While initially Ms. Smith stating that she was simply seized, um, and she and Ms. Seavey were seized, thrown in a car, and then driven off. Ms. Seavey's version originally was that they had asked, Ms. Smith had asked someone for a ride home, and that Ms. Seavey got in the car with Ms. Smith and then drove away. What became clear, though, um, during the context of the police interview is that there was some exchange of money that was involved, and an agreement for an exchange of money that was involved. Uh, where uh, the uh, Miss Seavey and Miss or Miss Smith particularly said that Miss Seavey got her money from uh, this kind of transaction, that she got her money from having sex with men. The defense sought to introduce that portion of uh, Miss Smith's testimony or Miss Smith's statement to police uh, under Rule of Evidence 412, uh, and. The defense argued that this was constitutionally required uh, to be able to make the argument to the jury uh, that there may have been someone else who was the cause of these injuries. When looking at who that person may be, uh, the, uh, well, it's, it's important to know that the only thing that, um, the thing that established a connection between Mr. Brandon, either Ms. Smith or Ms. Seavey, was a DNA sample in Ms. Smith's, found in Ms. Smith's vagina. The testimony from the, uh, Dana Warren, who's the DNA expert called by the government, was that uh, DNA evidence can actually survive for up to five days uh, in a vaginal tract. So there's a five-day period from when the test was taken, the morning after the kidnapping, um, the morning after they were found on the side of the road, the time frame at which uh, Mr. Brandon's DNA could have gotten Ms. Smith's vagina was five days prior. So. With that then, um, there being no other connection, uh, a question that Mr. Brandon wanted to raise to the jury, and a question that the defense uh, sought to elicit, uh, information that the defense sought to elicit, was that Ms. Seavey was engaged in prostitution prior to this. Um, 
this would go to establish potentially that Ms. Seavey had a, uh, a pimp, somebody who was responsible for her safety and her uh, financial well-being. Um, there was evidence provided by a police officer, Omaha police officer, Shana Ray, who testified at the trial. She established that uh, during this time frame, the uh, that prostitution was very uh, prominent, particularly in the area that the, the CV and the Smith alleged they were picked up in. Um, she also talked about how many of the prostitutes at the time had pimps, uh, people who they called their boyfriend. Um, and this is somebody who that they, uh, this, or Detective Ray testified at the time, this is someone who uh, quite often girls feared and uh, tried to protect. What we see from the transcript of the police interview with Ms. Seavey is that she was accompanied, or, or potentially could have been accompanied, by someone who officers asked and asked, who's your boyfriend? And she said, my boyfriend's Pringo. This was right at the end of the interview, apparently apropos of nothing. Um, but with, when tied with Detective Ray's statement at trial, the evidence that she put in that um, prostitutes often refer to their pimps as boyfriends, this is one possibility uh, that Mr. Brandon wanted to argue. It, uh, the evidence also came in um, through Ms. Boatwright, who was a sex assault uh, trauma uh, examiner. Um, and Ms. Boatwright, uh, she, she talked about trauma and the effects that it could have on a uh, someone in Ms. Smith or Ms. Seavey's situation. She said that frequently, or not infrequently, I guess, children will lie about um, what happened in a particular incident in order to protect those who are important to them. Again, looking at Detective Ray's statement that uh, pimps were people who um, the, the prostitutes at the time feared, especially the younger prostitutes feared and wanted to protect. Um, if these injuries had been inflicted on Miss Smith and Miss Seavey uh, by somebody who was connected to Miss Seavey in that capacity, or even Miss Smith as well in that capacity, Mr. Um, Brandon sought to argue that. Uh, that was denied by the court. Um, the court found that this was not constitutionally required. Um, I think that this, the constitutional argument from a Sixth Amendment perspective is um, probably best elucidated actually by the, the 28J uh, notice or letter that I gave to the court regarding United States versus Pumpkin. Uh, Judge Shepard, I believe you were on that panel of the Eighth Circuit at the end of uh, last calendar year where there was analysis and discussion about the limits of what uh, is required in cross-examination um, of a witness. So in that case, there were the two main witnesses had a history of drug abuse. Um, the defendant sought to elicit information about their history of drug abuse um, and uh, were, was uh, denied by the court. Mr. Black, if the, <clears throat> if the suggestion I think you're trying to make is that the, the pimp was the assaulter couldn't that have just been explored during cross-examination of the two victims? I attempted to judge and was denied the same. And, as well as in closing argument, I had requested, or I intended to make the argument, and the government specifically raised a motion and limiting granted by the court prohibiting me from being able to argue that in closing argument. Let me get this right. You were, you were prohibited from asking if Mr. X, who was 
allegedly the pimp, was the assaulter and not the defendant? I was prohibited from asking about her past history of prostitution, Judge. Well, okay, but those are, those are necess not necessarily two different things, right? I mean, couldn't, couldn't you have had, if you know the identity of, of Mr. Pimp, so to speak, couldn't you have just asked, wasn't he the assaulter? I was prohibited, Judge, um, specifically um, from the court in going into information about uh, even using the word pimp because it implies a, a past sexual history. Sure, but couldn't you have asked, didn't, wasn't Mr. X the uh, the assault. I could have asked that judge. However, there would have been no context for the jury to understand the motive that someone would have to lie at the time. That was the reason. Well, that doesn't I was... that depend on the answer, counsel? <laughs> yeah, you you're experienced. I could tell. I, I that asked... might depend on the answer. You said, did Mr. X do it? That, that's true, judge. I, I did ask on cross examination whether Pringle was her boyfriend at the time, mm -hmm. and uh, she responded that he was not her boyfriend at the time. Mm -hmm. Again, in contradiction to what she told police. I, I see that I'm going into my response time now. Uh, the court would like to address anything this time I can, otherwise I'll reserve my rebuttal time. Very well. Thank you, Mr. Black. Thank you. Physique and his identifying features were similar to the um, 
information that the girls provided, and also he lived in an area of Pacific Junction, Iowa, which is Mills County, Iowa, that runs parallel with Interstate 29. Now, in um, as part of the investigation, then they've tracked down, law enforcement tracked down the Good Samaritan witnesses that stopped along the highway and picked these two girls up after they were able to escape from Mr. Brandon. And one of the, and these two people were 18 years old. So they were 18 and they picked up a 14 and 15 year old girl between two and five in the morning on the interstate. And uh, Miss Woodard, who um, was familiar with that area and grew up in that area, was able to identify the location on the interstate where they were picked up, which ironically was close to Mr. Brandon's residence. So based on all of those, um, those factors, Mr. Brandon was charged. As part of this case, um, Mr. Brandon attempted to elicit information pursuant um, to, as an exception to Rule 412, as to prior prostitution. The government would submit to this court that the district court did follow prior precedent in overruling the defendant's request to admit this prior prostitution evidence primarily as um, consistent with um, other cases um, And, and Mr. Brandon relied on C, violation of the constitutional, his constitutional rights. But what it's important to know is that in those, in those court rulings that have favored Mr. Brandon, like Zephyr, is they've relied on specific incidences of previous sexual contact. But Mr. Brandon did not have any specific acts. He wanted a general blanket of prior prostitution of Ms. Stevie which the only evidence that was anywhere in, in any of the discovery or offered into evidence at all was that Ms. Smith had reported to Investigator Ritchie that he, um, that she said that he, excuse me, that Ms. Seavey had prior, prior engagements in prostitution that she had told her. Um, and that was a question directly posed by Investigator Ritchie. So this information, um, the government would pose is how is it relevant to whether or not these two girls got into the car with Mr. Brandon on that day? Prior acts of sexual abuse is not relevant to, um, it doesn't prove or disprove um, a person's actions on a particular day. And that is exactly what the spirit of Rule 412 is, is not to bring in prior or subsequent allegations of sexual activity. Not only that, it's hearsay because it's a statement by another person. And it also, Ms. Seavey's um, prior prostitution, does, how does that prove that fact that Ms. Smith had DNA um, of Mr. Brandon in, in her vaginal tract? Because the argument was that Mr. Brandon argued is that Ms. Seavey, Ms., Mr. Brandon could have had sexual activity with Ms. Smith prior to June 21st of 2003, but Ms. Smith, there was no evidence that Ms. Smith had ever engaged in prior prostitution. On that note, both Ms. Seavey and Ms. Smith denied that they knew Mr. Brandon or had ever seen him before, 
and there was no information offered or asked of them whether or not Ms. Smith had a prior, um, knew Mr. Brandon for many prior reasons. As to the PIM theory, um, the government would submit that the district court property overruled the admission of that evidence. It was just a defense theory based on assumptions, based on a couple statements made in court. Somehow the, the fact that Ms. Seavey reported she had a boyfriend then was equated to a pimp based on Ms. Well, well there's evidence in the record that boyfriend can mean pimp, right? There is very little evidence. In no. fact, <laughs> I think, Counselor, you're saying there was evidence. Well, the boyfriend can mean pimp, right? Not necessarily. Well, what was the question? What was the answer? If you're, if you're well, going to quibble, let's was, quibble. Go ahead. Ms. First of all, Ms. when Ms. Ray was asked, um, she said, rarely, she said, rarely do prostitutes have pimps at that time. So that's why I was hesitant to say yes or no. And then Investigator Ritchie, who actually asked the question, when he was posed the same question, he said, no, I wouldn't characterize it like that. And a long-term investigator with the Sheriff's Department. So for those reasons, the government would submit there wasn't enough evidence. And also what's important well, well, to- What's the basis, and I thought it was in the briefs too, for what the other counsel said very clearly, which is there's evidence in the record that the term boyfriend can mean pimp. What is, tell, tell us the evidence. That statement that Shana made that rare, she, he, she said rarely do uh, prostitutes have pimps at the time, but they sometimes refer to them as their boyfriend. Thank you. Um, also, but there was no further evidence as that. And um, further, furthermore, um, the, the district court judge did allow uh, Mr. Brandon to discuss um, injuries on that day. He, they could have, he could have said Pringo, he could have said someone else, and he did argue it could have been by someone else. The district court only didn't allow the word pimp because it connotates a relationship with someone in a, in a prostitution pimp relationship. So that would... Um, Kind of expand the sexual history of Miss um, Smith and Miss Seavey. There was also no evidence that there was any sort of realist ritualistic burnings or brandings. That was the girls were burned on their breast, but there was no evidence offered that there was any um, that it was ritualistic or it was a brand. It was just they both were burned. And they, she said rarely, um, just for the court's knowledge, at trial transcript two at between 113 and 115. And the court, the district court, did allow uh, Mr. Brandon to discuss this information at trial as it pertained to the facts on that day as to whether or not they were picked up for prostitution and whether or not anyone injured them at trial transcript 396 through 99. As Mr. Brandon today also discussed the 404B evidence that was offered as part of this um, trial, and the government uh, would submit that this district court correctly allowed this information into evidence based on intent, plan, identity, lack of accident or mistake, um, 
It had a bearing on the facts of this case. It was not introduced for propensity, especially when, as Mr. Brandon and relied on the fact that I didn't do it, but if I did, it was consensual. And so for those reasons, especially identity would be important, especially when the prior 404B evidence had to deal with minors in the exact same location or area where Smith and Seavey were picked up by the two Good Samaritans. It's a very rural area, so these girls are picked up in a downtown Omaha metropolitan area and taken to a very remote area that one of the officers testified is you can only access this area by a field entrance or a gravel road. And so they're taken to this remote area, and then there are two instances, one in 2003 and one in 2004, both within a year of this initial incident, where Mr. Brandon had taken a minor by knife point. Not only that, he threatened to kill one of them if they didn't keep quiet, which is also consistent with what Ms. Seavey and Ms. Smith reported having to happen to them. And so these incidences became important when you're looking at his identity because it goes to all of those things. In addition to that, when they searched Mr. Brandon's car in 2004, they found a knife in his car. They found female undergarments. They also, the girls reported initially to law enforcement that he took their undergarments and put them in a bag in his car. And then, so all of those facts are consistent with the information that from the other 404B acts in 2003 and 2004. Also, if you look at this evidence, these girls, after they were assaulted, when they had the opportunity, so when we talked about consent, I'm going to divert to the kind of the consent argument. The government can make an argument on all of those theories, and so they all were included, but we have to remember that they're 14 and 15 years old. And so they're picked up with a promise that they're getting a ride home. That was mentioned or to a friend's house in their first transcript in 2003. And also, it's also important to note when they testified, they said, I didn't want to go to Iowa. I didn't consent to going to Iowa when I was picked up. I didn't consent to having sex with this person. I didn't consent to being burned. I didn't consent to being bound. So that alone is enough to convict. Their statements at the trial is enough to convict them of the crime of kidnapping. Now, the jury was fully aware of all their inconsistent statements from their ages. All of that information was admitted into evidence, but for the little bit, there was a little bit of redaction that talked about their prior sexual experience, like prostitution, whether or not they were virgins, and the fact that they had a sexually transmitted disease, all by which Rule 412 clearly, up to this point, has excluded that type of evidence for good reason. It's the spirit of Rule 412. So they admitted, and this court was correct, that jury instruction that 
as far as jury instruction number 12 is in element three, it clearly says while she was seized, confined, inveigled, decoyed, kidnapped, abducted, carried away, or kept. So um, if they believe element one, it says while. So the district court ruled that this was redundant, that it was already explained um, when sufficiently, and it is the model jury instruction, the district court has broad discretion and it's the government's um, submission to this court that um, the district court properly instructed the jury on the law, the issues, and the elements of the crime. And as far as the consent goes, it's also important to note that not only did they admit to that, but if you look up the facts, um, and this would also apply to the um, motion for new trial, is that both Ms. Seavey and Ms. Ms. Smith escaped at the first opportunity. They reported throughout every time that they were questioned that he took out a gas can and started pouring gas around the vehicle in this highly remote area where they, there was no, no um, houses. They could see like an interstate in the distance. They were, um, the medical reports said they had scratches on them. They were caked in mud. They had bruises on them. They, um, and so they were fleeing for their lives um, at the time when um, they got the opportunity to, to, to escape. And that's after being uh, transported, um, sexually assaulted, bound, burned, threatened with a knife, which they had scratches on the, one of Ms. Smith had scratches on her arm that was, would be consistent based on the medical uh, personnel and investigator Richie, superficial scratches. Um, and so they, they take a ride from somebody and all of these things happen. And when they escape, they have to choose what to do next. And they took another ride from two strangers. So that really shows um, how afraid they were in the government's opinion. And um, the, the facts of the case also support that because Ms. Woodard testified that these girls were um, fleeing for their lives. That's how she described and characterized them at the time. And so um, based on all of the evidence that was submitted, um, the, the government would submit to the court, if, if no one has any additional questions for me, that um, the district court's rulings on all the issues should be upheld and Mr. Brandon's appeals should be dismissed. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Sudman. Mr. Black, your rebuttal. Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, just to, to clarify, um, Miss uh, Detective Ray, Shana Ray, did say that the, in her words, that the prostitutes in the Omaha area at the time of the offense sometimes had pimps, and then in a separate place, she said rarely. Um, so I, just to clarify that before the court, with regard to element three uh, of the kidnapping uh, offense, uh, I want to um, draw the court's attention to the interstate commerce element being only present in element four. 
So Judge Benton, when you previously asked about uh, being transported while someone was seized or inveigled, transportation doesn't necessarily have to be while in interstate commerce. It, it could be parsed out. In other words, the jury could parse that out. So um, my, my um, requested instruction to the court was to uh, notify the jury, to be sure that the jury understood that the law required the transportation to take place after consent uh, had, or after someone had been seized without their consent. So transportation did take place under these circumstances that the witnesses had testified that after they got to Iowa, they went to a, a couple of different places um, and were moved a couple of different times. So trans transportation could have taken place, uh, potentially, in this case, after uh, a consensual agreement was made, an arrangement was made, uh, interstate commerce occurred, uh, or transportation in interstate commerce occurred, then once they got to Iowa, other transportation occurred, uh, the seizure takes place, and then they're transported one more time. So potentially, that's the problem of this instruction, uh, without having clarification to the jury that consent is required to be withdrawn prior to transportation and interstate commerce, and that's the basis of my uh, objection here. Um, with regard to, um, I would just like to briefly touch on the, the 28J letter that was filed by um, the, the government in this case, since I did not previously. I, I would agree that uh, that case, uh, the uh, Morera case, uh, would, um, solve the issue uh, that we raised here in issue number three uh, as eight circuit precedent, defining eight circuit precedent. Um, I would take the position uh, with uh, all due respect to Judge Grunder, Judge Ben, I would take the position of Judge Cross in uh, his dissent that the statute is unambiguous um, in, in its terms, transportation statute. Of course, you'll have to get the interest of an end bank court for that. It, but what a well-written opinion, huh? <laughs> And I see my time is up. If the court has anything additional. Thank you, Mr. Black and Ms. Sidman. We appreciate your uh, briefing and arguments today. The case is submitted, and we'll issue an opinion in due course.